Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. I'm here with Zechariah. I'm very happy to get to know you and I'm happy that you agreed to have this interview. Please tell us uh, more about yourself. Tell us your name, where you're from. Tell us about your family. Thank you very much. Uh, my name in full is Reverend Zachariah Oto. I come from Gulu. Gulu is the northern city for northern Uganda, but specifically the Diocese of Northern Uganda, Anglican. Uh, I served as the missions coordinator um, at, at the diocese. I am married. Um, God has blessed me and my wife with uh, seven biological children, three boys and four girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're actually growing up. The boys have grown because I've been married for the last 26 years. Our firstborn is 26 now. Is mm. getting to 27 years. Right. Yes, yes. So I think you were a local church pastor before you were in this position. Yes, 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 Anthony. Yes, that is true. Uh, my first posting, uh, I was in a school as a chaplain. Then mm-hmm. eventually I became the parish priest. Okay. A parish priest uh, is somebody who oversees a number of local churches. Um, by then I had about 14. I was overseeing 14 churches. Um, and each, each congregation uh, had a lay reader, somebody called a lay reader. In our, in our church, we call them muluka. Mm. So I was overseeing them as leaders. Yes, yes. And, and what's the, tell us the position again that you're in now. Right now, I am the missions, the diocesan missions coordinator. I oversee mission work. Okay. And where mission involves a lot of things, training, discipleship, evangelism, outreaches. Yes, yes, that's, that's what I oversee now. Very good. Diocese. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear more about that as we go in the interview. Okay, thank But you. for now, let's start with hearing a bit about your testimony. Yeah. How did you first come to know Jesus as your Savior? Wow, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I was born in a traditional home where people uh, go to traditional church. And um, I was raised there for after about 12 years. And um, between there, I started realizing that I needed something more than what we normally do, going to church every Sunday, following the tradition of the church, like like the sign of the cross, uh, putting mm-hmm. on long rosaries. I was like, ah. So by 15, when I reached 15 years, I changed my school. We were taken to a school founded by the Roman Catholic. But now I changed my school to a school founded by an Anglican. It's called Anglican Native School. Mm. So when I changed my school, way back, that was in 1888. Uh, 1888. I mean, 1988. That's when I changed my school. So from that time, I realize the Anglican way of doing things varies. Mm. I started listening to people preaching, and you know, their preaching is different. 
three key things. They also give opportunity for you to read your own Bible and understand it. They also give opportunity for you to preach where necessary. You know, you know I, I, I started getting interested into it. Then we were taking our students to a convention of people who are saved. When I reached there, I said, aha, today I think I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's when I got saved. That was 89 November. I still remember the day it was the 18th on a Sunday evening. So when I gave my life to Christ, I think that was the day I now met Jesus personal. Mm. And I started taking my faith personally. Mm. And since that time, I think uh, I, I have never regretted why I made that decision. Mm. And that decision that I took has helped me, has helped our family, you know, the people that were my friends, some of them also, you know, came to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But one of the things that immediately let me go ahead and share it, that happens in, 18, in 1989, mm -hmm. I went back to school. I continued with studies. In 1990, I was in P6. Some of you may not understand P or whatever. And uh, I think in America they call it junior. Uh, yeah, either elementary school elementary or middle, schools, middle yes. school maybe. So I was in Uganda here, we call it primary. Mm -hmm. So when I was uh, supposed to sit my PLE, that was 1991. In 1991. I still remember vividly, it was in the evening of uh, the 30th of March, 1991. The rebel that was in northern part of Uganda called LRA, Lord's Resistance Rebels, or Lord Resistance Army. In the evening of uh, the, the, the 30th of March, we were gathered as boys, as young boys, in our family, around the fire. We used to have a fireplace where everybody would come and gather. I was among the people taken by the rebel. I was like, okay. So the whole family was taken away, and we went. We went to the bush. Mm. I still remember vividly. But remember, I had already gotten saved yes. in, in 89. The whole 1990, I was already a saved person. 1991, very fiery for the Lord. And, and, and I still remember very well the hands of God on me because of being saved. The key things that took place, were happening during that year. Immediately you are abducted by the rebel. They will make you kill somebody. They will make you drink the blood. They would smear you with their oils that they used to, to smear people with so that you become the initiate. The, the best word is they initiate you to their yeah. atrocities, their activities. But thankfully, I was not. Mm. I went there. The hands of God was with me. He protected me. But I took a whole month. I took the whole April. I thought I was going to miss school. But because my teachers were actually aware of my capability, they registered me even when I was not there. Because mm. they were praying for me. They were saying, this man will come back. This boy will come back. They were praying for me. I still remember very well. I came back on the 1st of May. Mm. I was home the 1st of May of that same year. I was home. It was a Labor Day. And uh, they welcomed me home. You know, the 1st of May in Uganda, they celebrate Labor Day. My father welcomed me and everybody welcomed me. So I still have that vividly in me that if you are in God, 
he protects you he gives you the grace where you think things are difficult he opens for you doors yes i think that is part of part of my testimony that now gave me strength mm. to move on in the word move on in god move on in jesus never to go back again because his hands will protect me wherever i will i will go and i will be and i still thank him because he has protected me even up to now mm. he's still protecting me he's still giving me you know his work to do his ministry to go through i move a lot i move to so many uh, places I've been to Kenya, I've gone to so many districts in Uganda here. Why? Because God's hand is on me and he wants me to finish well. Mm. Yes, 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 Anthony. Let, let me ask you some follow-up questions on, on that one. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful to hear how you got saved and wonderful to hear how God protected you. How, how many months were you with the LRA then? just one month just one because month. i was abducted on the 30th of uh, of march and i came back on the first i reached home on the first of may okay. so i finished the month of april how did you get home how did wow that that one is a miracle because i still remember very very well that um we walked we walked we walked around around the 15th to the 20th of uh, of april hmm. We met a team. We, you know, the the, the brigade. The, what we had a team. We met a team. That team had Coin himself. Mm. Some of us were so excited. We want to see him. We want to greet him. We want to meet him. Little did we know that the UPDF had also planned, and you know, for, their for helicopters. The people listening might not know the UPDF. UPDF. The UPDF, the UPDF is the government army, Uganda uh -huh. People's Defense Force. Got it. Yeah, of course, wherever the LRA uh, rebels were moving, for them they were following. They mm. were following them with their network, their security network. So when we gathered now, a bigger team, because that was the team that were moving with Kony himself, mm. the the leader of the the, the rebels. So some of us were supposed now to meet him for the first time. So when we sat down, and uh, I was among the people who were sent quickly to go and look for water. You remember that period in our place, you may not know it very well, but in our country, between March and April and May, you know, in some places like uh, semi-arid places, there would be no water. Mm -hmm. So we went a little far, we were two, with somebody from Kitgum. Kitgum is a district now. So we went a little far looking for water. So before we even got the water, we had a bomb. Boom! I don't know from which mile it was sent to where we were. And that place, for me, was, was a very strange place. So I didn't want to remain there. I told my friend, could we please run back and catch up with our people? He accepted, we started running back. Instead of running away, we were running back to join our group. We came and we didn't find anybody because when the bomb came, everybody ran. Okay. Everybody ran. So now this man was old enough to tell me, my friend, let's not follow the because the UPDF will get us on the way. Mm. The government troop will get, get us on the way. And we can easily be accused that we are rebels. Kumbe, we are abductees. Mm. We are not rebels. So let's go away. Now I consented, so we ran a different direction. Mm. So we now remained two of us in the bush, and it was already evening. 
So this man knew the place. He's a hunter. He knew the place. He used to go and go hunting in that place. So he said, okay, we will sleep here because if we continue moving, we can easily be eaten by wild beasts. So let's, let's sleep with it. So we slept. Mm. And we started walking from the bush at around uh, 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. But to get to the place where human beings, eh, human settlement are, it took us up to 2 p.m. Mm. And you remember walking and running, walking and running, because you think people are following you. After yeah. 2 p.m., that's where we got now, gardens and where people are digging, and then we landed into a home. And this man now knew the place. He took me to a local leader's home. So I was there with the local leader's home uh, for that, that local leader to take me to where the army, army convoys uh, was so that I am taken to a town, so that I am taken back home. It took us two weeks. Mm. That is where now I took most of my time, you know, navigating between the local leader's home to the army. When I reached where the army is, they took me to a town. Now, there were nowhere to keep me. They took me to uh, a prison. <laughs> That's why I also tested life in prison. Mm. So they took me among the prisoners. I was not a prisoner, mm. so but they took me there. So I waited for convoy, and then until convoy came, I was taken. Because those are different districts. I come from Gulu. The district I'm talking about is Kitgum. Yeah. The convoy is supposed to go through Lira, mm. then from Lira back to Gulu. Mm. That is why I reached home. I was going to reach a little earlier. I did not last long with them. I was going to reach a little earlier. That's why I took about um, the whole two weeks mm. and some days to reach home on the first Okay. Of, uh, of May. So, as you think back to those experiences, do you think that uh, that experience has shaped the type of leader you have become? And uh, like, how, how did God use that experience to make you the kind of pastor you are today? Yes, thank you very much. Right now, I have seen it and I know it. You remember abducting me unwillingly. Me, I didn't want to be abducted. Mm. I even tried my best to hide my, myself so that they should not take me, but they took me forcefully. But because God was with me, one of the things that happens in me quickly was forgiveness. Mm. I had to forgive them. I had to surrender them. Now that as a leader, forgiveness is one of the things that will make people reconcile back. Because when I came back home, the man who was my leader also came back home. He found me, I was working already with World Vision. So he came back. I was the one now to welcome him. If I had that, you know, bitterness and, you know, towards them, I was not going to welcome him. So that thing shaped my life and helped me seriously to look at forgiveness mm. in that perspective, that through forgiveness, we can have peace back. Mm. And, and that is my advo advocate. I advocate for reconciliation and forgiveness so that people have peace, even in families. Right now I do family counselings. Mm. I do a lot of it, you know. So without forgiveness, with the bitterness, you'll never reconcile. Mm. So you need to forgive so that uh, you reconcile back, so that uh, peace comes back. Uh, when you're sharing about that, it reminds me of one of the things I was learning about some years ago that with the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army, as people are captured or as they come back, it's like there's a discussion whether those people should be punished or whether they should be forgiven and focused on 
reconciliation. You know, there's also the, what is that called? The International Criminal mm-hmm. Court. Yeah. So do you have any any opinion on all of that kind of discussion? Um, one of the things that the government of Uganda came out with was amnesty. Okay. Yes. So amnesty advocated for reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm. And that is how we came through we came through amnesty. Mm. Now the issue of the criminal ICC uh, that, <laughs> that one I have, have have no opinion about it. Okay. But our our leaders, the leaders of uh, of uh, Chile's abrasion advocated for amnesty. Mm. Even coin can still get amnesty. Okay. But the government says ah, he has done this, we can take him to ICC, that is theirs. Mm. But locally there, amnesty is one of the things that we advocate for. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing about that story. It's a very interesting topic. It's, uh, people have really suffered in this country yeah, yeah, going yeah. through that. And, yeah. Uh, did your did your family have to spend time in an IDP camp or seriously? Yes. Okay. Um, I grew in the village. Yeah. And of course, village people were more affected by by the war mm. uh, than than the people who were in town. Um, we had we actually came to the IDP twice. The mm. first IDP was that 99, the one when I was taken. Mm-hmm. I came back. I found my parents. We actually we are in the camp, but that one did not last for long. But now the other one that took long was 1996, up to 2008. Up to 2008? Yes, up to 2008. So people were in IDP camps, bad experience, all these. Maybe the people who are listening don't really know what we mean by a camp and what life would be like in it. Can you share a little bit more? Yeah. To give them a picture? Yeah. Okay, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that we can talk about the IDP mm. internally displaced people's camps. Mm. It's not like the refugees camps. Okay. This one was a protect the, the, the government called it uh, a protected camp. Mm. You come there for protection. Mm. And uh, if, okay, it started like voluntarily. If you want to be protected, you come and be here. Mm. But eventually it became forceful. Mm. Everybody had to come. Of course, living in, in, in small houses, you know, congested homes, um, you, you can imagine the kind of sanitation that, that people, you know, the kind of uh, water that people use, they, they drink. The, the kind of uh, morality, you know, because you you are living together, you know, your houses are planted like like heaps of potatoes here, 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 you find, you know, and, 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 and that life, I don't want to remember it. It mm. was so bad that our people suffered for long. You remember 96 after 2008, that's when people started going back. And, and, and okay, the UN were, was giving us food. But that food, you also never trusted, you know, the beans and then the, the whatever. People are eating it. You wait for food to come. You wait for this to come. You wait for this to come. That partly contributes to, to the kind of attitudes our people even have to now. Mm. They still have that things of hands out, you know. Yeah. They're, they're waiting for things. It's like their hands are, are open for things to come and fill in and fill in. And fill. Because for more than 10 years, they were being fed. You know, they were being fed, they were being fed. And the effect, we still feel it up to now, 
if you came to Gulu, you came to these other northern districts, the youth are so lazy, they don't want to go and dig because they're used to, you know, things that are coming free like that. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, bad, bad life. So, mm. so, so bad, so bad. I have so many questions, but I don't know which one to ask. I know. I know. <laughs> but this is very, very interesting mm. to, to think through. Uh, one of the questions I had was, did the church... Uh, did, did in those camps did mm. the, were new churches sort of planted in the camps maybe yes. by church of Uganda yes 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 I still remember my local church we planted it within the camp mm. you know you remember I told you when in 89 I got saved we were still home yeah. so in 91 we came to the first camp mm. we left our church our church was in the school so the schools were a little far distance from mm. the camps where we were so we had to start a church mm. so we started a local church within the camp and uh, I became the youth leader from there that's how my, my, my journey of, of becoming a reverend started from okay. I started as a youth leader from that I started preaching, we started helping people, we, we built, we know you built clusters, rooms where you can pray from, and then we started from there, and then the church now got land, we shifted from the camp a, a little distance away, we got land there, and now we have built a permanent, a permanent church. Mm. Yeah, but I started from there as a youth leader. And I became the chairman for, for that Paris, the chairman for that Paris. Then eventually I went to school. I became a priest. I was taken back to work in that Paris mm -hmm. for about 10 years. Now I am here. Okay. In the, yeah, I am here. So that is one of it. But there are many that started, not only Church of Uganda, even the Pentecostal, even, uh, yeah, mostly Pentecostal and Church of Uganda. We, we, we came to the people, we came to their rescue. Mm -hmm. If people live in problems, squalid problems, poverty and all that, they need the word of God. They mm. need encouragement. So many people came, you know, to their rescue and churches were planted. Oh. Yeah, were planted. So, yeah, that's, that's a good part of it. Now, let me come back to what you said about the youth and about the handouts. You know, this issue of dependency. Dependency um, syndrome. I, I've heard about that before, especially in the northern areas like Gulu. Um, what is the church doing today to respond to that kind of attitude? You know, it's a very difficult one to, mm. to handle. I know, and I understand that. It's so difficult for the church. The church is trying her level best through training, through training in uh, vocational skills. Mm -hmm. Like for our diocese, Northern Uganda, we have built uh, a vocational institute that is, uh, is a big one that handles all the vocational trainings. It does not need too much level of education. You come the way you are because some things are hand-ons that just train you on so that you go and now earn a living from there. And uh, I have seen other churches also do the same. Uh, they also do the same. We are trying to uh, make the youth have something in their hands that they can go and do like driving, like mechanic, like carpentry work, like building, and like agriculture, you know, digging and all that. We are, we are training them. The church is responding to that very well. Um, and that the youth are coming right now in, in our institutes. Um, we are giving 100 scholarships 
free, free for, for all the youth that will want to come, a hundred of them. Then the others will pay a minimal amount so that you also train. It depends on which course you take and then the duration, mm. the duration you would want to take. That's what we are doing. And uh, we're also bringing them into discipleship. You know, they entered into drinking. Mm. Most of them are now wasted into drinking and, and and uh, COVID also came and helped us because most of the drinking joints were closed because of COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dancing, disco and all that are closed. But still you find some of them go there. But that is what the church is doing. We are trying our best to make them come and understand uh, that you can do something. You can do something using your hands. And those that are responding are doing well. Mm. They are doing better. I yeah. think uh, also you, are, you yourself are a very hardworking man. Does it help when they see your example to follow? Yes, 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 yes. And people like you? <laughs> like my children, they, they, they're taking up from me. Mm. Because me, I go to garden and I dig. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't only, you know, I do ministry, but I also do my work at home. I have gardens that I dig. I have, right now we are harvesting uh, granites. I have harvested rice. My boy called me, they, they, sold it. they sold it yesterday, that, you know, daddy, we grinded 170 kilos <laughs> and, and we sold it, yeah. So we go and we work in the garden, mm. we work. And some of them are, you know, they say, yeah, I want to be like you. I want to work hard. And mm. then, you know, some of them comes for counseling. I, what can I do? You tell them, you can work, you can do something. You can mm. make a difference. You know, you can make a difference in your life and in your family, yeah. Not only me, there are many people that we can learn from them. Mm. Yeah, we can learn from them, yes. Zachariah, that's very encouraging. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, that's a good transition, I think, to the other topic I wanted to look at, which is more about your work today. Yeah. So uh, tell us more about the, the mission work that you're doing and, and the, pro uh, the different ministries that you oversee. And, you know, what is a typical day look like for you in your ministry in Europe? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, okay, let me begin from the last bit, then I will go to the others. Okay. My typical week from Monday to Sunday, I have put Monday, at least 75% of my time on Monday is my time home. God, that's good. Is my time home. But Tuesday, I am in office. Wednesday, I am in office. Thursday, we have a discipleship. Friday, we have a prayer with the mission team. I have a team that I call mission team. Mm. We normally have prayer fast with them every Friday. Saturday, I am home. But a lot of, you know, wedding, or burial, and all, sometimes yeah. I take and go for those. And Sunday is a difficult day for me because I have radios that I go for. I do radio ministry. Mm. So radios that have given us airtimes are about four. So I have to run from seven in the morning and end. And then the last one ends at six, 6 p.m. Okay. in the evening. So my Sunday is just difficult. That's why 75% of my time off Monday, I am home. I am off. I, I, don't, I don't go. I don't do mm. uh, much work now. I have mentioned some of them. As a missions coordinator, we do media ministry. I oversee media ministry, all these radios, and then uh, 
WhatsApp group, and, and uh, I have also youth ministry that I oversee. We have mothers' union that I oversee, and the mothers' union are divided into two. The mothers that are wedded, then the mothers that are not yet wedded are called Christian Women Fellowship. I also have the main fellowship. These are main that, uh, you know, they want to be example to others. I also oversee that. Then children ministry. Mm. Those are the ministry that I oversee under, uh, under missions department. But also, as a missions coordinator, now we are doing discipleship. Uh, discipleship using other tools. We already have about four tools. The province has developed one, which is called uh, Provincial Strategic Discipleship Movement. We are also using that one. And then uh, there is what they call Pastors Equipping Network, I think originates from uh, Holistic Church Transformation, I think in America, also doing that one. I oversee that, and then, of course, TLT cannot run away from this. I coordinate TLT. I also see it as uh, it has to move on and, and go to other places, and um, that is me, and a lot more. Yeah, it sounds like more. it sounds like a lot of things <laughs> yeah. under your uh, under your position. Yeah. Um, you, as your overseeing mission, does the does your diocese send? missionaries or evangelists to different areas yes for now we 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 still we still within we have not gone outside um, except we have sent one reverend to another diocese as okay. a missionary priest and then we also have a missionary priest in uh, the uk we have missionary priest in the u.s um yeah, those are the two places that we have missionary priests there. But, okay. but typically sending missionaries to go and work outside, we have not yet sent. So, so that the, is our focus. The one in the UK and the one in the US, you have sent them there to, to evangelize in those places? There are people who originate from there. Mm. But they, like, like the one in the UK um, is now overseeing Alpha in prisons. Oh, but she, okay. she's a born of UK. But mm. she came to our diocese, ordained mm. from our diocese, made a priest from our diocese, mm. so sent her sent, back. Sent her back. Yes, the same applies to the one in the US. Um, also came to our diocese, studied from here, ordained from here, but now sent back. Sent back. Uh, sent back, yes. Very good. That's uh, very interesting. Um, I'd love to hear more about the Church of Uganda. Um, for those listening, again, this is the Anglican Church, but it's called the Church of Uganda here. Um, maybe there's a couple things I want to know. One is um, some of the differences between the Church of Uganda and other Anglican churches in other countries, the similarities and differences. And then also, what are some of the strengths of the Church of Uganda? You know, every denomination has its really good strengths, that, and we'd love to hear more about what, what you love about the Church of Uganda. Anthony, don't make me overstep my boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> because I am not a spokesperson for Church of no, Uganda. Just, you so now you will make me overstep my boundaries. <laughs> you can just share what you yourself love about the, the Church of Uganda. Yeah, I think I already mentioned it. Uh, one of the things that took me to Church of Uganda uh, is the freedom that they give to people to read their Bible and understand the Bible. You know, mm. you read your Bible and understand your Bible and you follow it. You know, that is what I love so much. I told you I, my background is Roman Catholic. They don't give time for 
Christians to read their Bible and understand mm. it. For them, it is the priest to read for them. Mm. But I love it when I read my Bible alone and understand it. You know, I interpret it the way I've understood. So that when you're also interpreting it to me, the way I've understood it, there I can balance it up. Mm. Sometimes when you interpret it to me wrongly, I should be able to say, ah, that is not what you know, the Bible says. Mm. And then one of the key things that is, okay, let me now say this, although I am not allowed to say it. One of the key things which make Church of Uganda so different and so distinct um, is belief in the authority of the, the scriptures. Mm. You know, whatever the scripture says, that's what we believe in. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't alter it. Mm -hmm. We don't alter it. What the Bible says is what we teach, is what we believe in. Mm. And, and that is why when we compare it to the other Anglican worldwide, you know, the split and all that, what took mm. place in the Anglican church, yeah, where some people already kind of running away from the truth of the Bible. But Church of Uganda, Anglican, we still stick there. Mm. Yes, let me end there. Let me not go deeper it's okay, into it. But let me ask you, uh, how long has the Church of Uganda been around? Uh, we celebrated our in the 65th uh, independence, like now church, when we got independent from the white. We, we took oh, okay. Church of Uganda as Church of Uganda. It is now 65 years. So it was even we in just Uganda, celebrated it. It was in Uganda before that, but it's been independent for 65 years. Ah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. 65 years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me more about your work, your ministry. What do you love the most? What gives you excitement? What gives you fulfillment in your ministry? I am, okay, thank you. I am a preacher. Mm. I am a preacher. But now what, what, apart from preaching, what I think God has given me is, uh, is uh, counseling. Mm. I am somebody who sits with people and uh, love to see people come out of their own problems. You know, our people underwent serious problems. They still have the trauma in them. So I think God has shown to me that that's the direction. Mm. I talk to people. When I talk to them, they, they, they are able to come out of their own problems. And I do a lot of counseling. And I love doing it so much. Mm. I love seeing people work, you know, healthy. They're able to, you know, have their mind cleared from, you know, things that, that, that you burden, burden them and, and, and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do a lot. Even on radios, when I go to radios, I give my phone numbers and people call and I pray with them. Before I pray with you, I talk to you, you know, I give you tips on how to come out of that problem. Yeah. And, and uh, there are a lot of stories, good stories that are coming out of that. Yeah, radio ministry is perfect for you because it combines the preaching exactly. with the counseling because so many people call who might not go to church, exactly. but they're willing to call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So in a few sentences, we don't want a whole sermon now, but in a few sentences, what was the, what was the message of your last sermon? That you preached? I preached from Ephesians chapter 4 verse uh, 24 to 32, mm. um, my, my key area was um, God is calling us to come out of bitterness okay. so that we are able to meet him. Mm. Because the whole text about that, Paul was talking about bitterness, mm. you know, 
bitterness don't be bitter you know leave bitterness now out leave this leave this leave this so that is what i think i said i preach it on monday morning i have a program uh, from 5 a.m to 6 a.m in the morning in one of the radios mm. so that's that's that was my my text and my message it was bitterness right. and people called me and said you've talked like this oh, you touched my heart <laughs> i think i'm going to forgive now i think i'm going to release so and so yeah people call and yeah that's great yes that's so you have radio that. on sunday but also on monday Yes, yes, yes. And also on Wednesdays. Are you are you training up some other people to I have that I have that youth that I call them volunteers for radio ministry. We work Wonderful. together with them. But um I do a lot of, a lot of preaching. Mm. They only they help me sometimes when I'm not like right now I am here and I'm going back up to Sunday. Mm. They are the one now taking care of to those radio over. ministries. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Um Just to ask you a few more questions because we're getting short on time. Um, how is your wife involved in ministry with you or how does she support you? In- um, yeah, thank you very much. My family is together. Mm. Is together. Um, if like right now I'm not home, my wife takes the lead of uh, family fellowship. Yeah. She takes the lead of the family fellowship. Um, she did not go to school so much so such that i can also take her to preach you know and I'll do that but when we go when we are in the local church i would make her also preach she would also preach and um she also work with the mothers she, she helps me a lot mm. she work with the mothers sometimes with the children because mm. she loves children and some of the ministries that we do together with her includes discipleship she also comes for discipleship and sits with us and um especially family discipleship that one is perfect mm. yeah 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 she's okay and of course she does most of the the things now that i am not home she's mm. the one looking for food to feed <laughs> and praying for me and praying for our children yeah and but i think we are working together yeah it's great to hear that you're working together so yeah. well mm. um just the last couple of questions here um as we close Um how can the listeners pray for you or your church or your family? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um praying for my church as Church of Uganda, Diocese of Northern Uganda. Right now, we've just enthroned a new bishop. Mm. The other one had uh, retired and is I think one week old in office. Not even one week, less than one week. So the listeners can pray for me pray for our church so that it takes the mantle holy mm. like his predecessors so that the work continues mm. because new leader comes new strategies also mm. so we pray for him that it takes up well and then um so that the other ministry arms can also fit in very well praying for me pray for strength i have a lot on my desk yeah i can see that <laughs> so let them pray for me and uh, so that god gives me strength and then uh, like 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 you also come in my life you support other you know other 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 hams of the ministry so that we work together because alone i cannot manage mm. for my family i have children in schools you pray for them so that god gives them the wisdom and are able to study and finish well um i have already 
four of them are supposed to be at universities. Mm. So one has not yet gone. She has she sat last year, supposed to join next year. And uh, her name came, she's supposed to go to Gulu University. Um, but already I have two could have finished, but they struggle with this COVID and all that. Their yeah. results were not coming wholly. And others are missing papers. And they're trying to sort it out. They have not yet completed after now two of them. And another one joined uh, during the COVID, they were studying online. And you know where online is, you need a computer, you need smartphone, you need data, you need this. So, so as a family, we need your prayers so that God, who, who gives us that family, gives us these children, would also take care of them, would take care of them. Um, I think, yeah. That is great. People, people will pray for you as they listen. Thank you. And very last question. Mm. Um, you know, people who are listening, some are from Africa, but many are from North America or other countries around the world. Um, let me pick North America, for, since that's where I come from. Yes. Do you have any specific encouragement or message you would like to share with them now as we close? Yes. Underneath the way I interact with you and uh, with TLT, um, with, I know that you come from a reformed church. Mm -hmm. Let us stick to the Bible. <laughs> Let us stick to the Bible. And uh, we're also praying very hard that we need to now come and begin to minister to them. Mm. We, are, we are praying that God should give us the opportunity so that we come back to North America and begin minister to them and you not know, preach the word. In Africa, we still act for the word and we stand for it. Yes. Yeah, we, our word is not yet completely polluted. We still stand for the word. So I want to encourage them to continue with what you people are doing because you're doing it very well. You stand on the truth, and that is why you are here and, and, and working very well. I think God will also continue blessing you. I also want to encourage them. You know, there, there is a saying in Africa, let me now say it, that the white have the money. For us, we have the word. Let them give the money so that we give them. <laughs> if they have the money, let them give the money. For us, we give the word. So that the word of God continues. So I encourage them to continue supporting some of the ministry. Like you is here now. Mm. Let them support you mm. so that you also carry on with your, with your ministry. And I think God will bless them. Mm. Thank you. Thank I, you very I, much. I agree with you. We need, we need to also think about people from Uganda going to the U.S. to make an impact there. But this is a beginning. You're getting to share with them over this interview. And yeah. that, that's a start. Yeah. So Zachariah, it's been wonderful to hear your testimony and to hear about your work. Thank you so much for this time. God bless you. Bless you too. Thank you. Thank you.